2: And to center field, he does it again on two strikes. Tim's coming home. That lead didn't last long for the Birds. 1-1. 2-2. Two two. Jose right side. That gets through. Pass to diving Nevin. Tour on the way home. Jose does it again with two strikes. And it's 3-1 in the third. Jason Benetti
3: on NBC Sports Chicago as the White Sox have had themselves a nice week. They are trying to finish up a a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles this weekend at Guaranteed Rate Field. I'm Chris Ranji. Good morning. Until 1245 today, and then we've got Cubs baseball. They're trying to sweep the Reds today. Matt Spiegel, the normal host of this show. Well, he's the typical, well, the usual host of this show. He's not normal. He is not typical. But he'll be on the pregame for the Cubs today. Zach and Ron have the call from... Wrigley Field. I'm Chris Ranji filling in today. Thank you for hanging out with me. Um, you got the phone number to call. We're going to get back to your calls, talking Cubs in their future and what they do for the remainder of the season, being a half game out of first and also the White Sox, who are three games up in their division right now. He is the editor-in-chief of Sox Machine, and he joins us now on 670 The Score. It's Jim Margulis who is with us now. He's a a longtime White Sox writer. He's been doing some great work for many, many years. And Jim joins us now on the guest hotline, brought to you by Alpamonte Nissan, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Jim, good morning.
0: It's great to talk to you again.
3: I've got a problem with you that we need to talk about real quick before we get into actual baseball stuff. Uh, I've known you how long? Oh, uh, since, uh, what,
0: 07, 08, something like that?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's just what I was telling Sean Anderson, the producer. And um, I have been pronouncing your name wrong this entire time, and you have not corrected me once. I've said it to your face. I've said it on the air. I mispronounced, like, the, the I, I was giving your name a hard A in the middle instead of the soft A. I was pronouncing it Margalis and it's Margulis. And nobody corrected me, and especially you. So uh, this is your fault.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I appreciate you circling back to it, no matter what. But as long as you get the vowel, as long as people get the vowels right, I'm fine. When they say Margolis, I'll stop there because there's okay. an O where they're, and my name does not have an O. But if you get the A A U and some kind of pronunciation, that's more, yeah. like, more or less fine.
3: Well, I mean, and, and I and Sean he corrected me, and I said, really? I've known this dude for like 15 years. And uh, I was like, and and if you know anything about Jim, I told Sean this. Uh, he's just not going to confront you. I'm just going to let it go. You're too nice, and don't be nice next time. Just let me know that I'm stupid and wrong, okay? We'll
0: do. Right, <laughs> I usually say that for
3: the White Sox fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes, you certainly do. Hey, before we get into uh, sock stuff again, I well, we just spent the last segment talking about. The situation that happened this week with the Cardinals, um, you know, taking on the Sox and the the reliever, Joe West, asking him to change his hat and, and talking about the, you know, the substance and Mike Schilt's comments after the fact. And mm-hmm. I, I guess my hope is if anything comes from this, maybe MLB does cut down on that spider tack and on the other substances that are helping these pitchers get ridiculous spin on the baseball Do you think it's going to lead to that finally? If we're if we're trying to increase offense in the game, this this is a way to do it.
0: Yeah, it it was funny. You you mentioned that Joe West could be you know kind of a hero in the story, and I actually thought you know watching that unfold real time that he handled it relatively maturely, especially by his standards. Like he he went to it before you know he went to I guess he talked to the pitcher before he even started taking warm up tosses. He didn't make a scene. He just asked for a new cap. He didn't. You know, Schilt was the one who escalated it, not West. And you know, Schilt, I think, had his own point in defending his guys because, you know, it is a widespread practice. But it does seem to need to start being cracked down somewhere because the the defense for years for pitchers getting better grip was that hit by pitches were uh, less of a factor. He had less uh, pitchers just completely losing a handle on the pitch on a you know a breaking ball or whatever with tremendous spin. Uh, you know, missing up and into uh, hitters, and you could. Theoretically, be helping hitters out by saving some broken hands or cracked ear flaps or what have you, but now hit by pitches are through the roof. So you're not only getting like a, a tremendous spin rate you're talking about and the, the snapping, breaking stuff, but also it's not helping hitter safety at all. You're, you're seeing hitters get hit, I think, I'm not sure if it's a record amount or just a surge in it, but uh, there've been a number of articles talking about how hit by pitches are up. So if hitters are not being protected and they're finding it harder to swing and and make, you know, contact uh, on, on pitches that theoretically they should be able to hit, uh, then I'm not sure what the advantage is anymore.
3: Yeah. And, and I certainly agree with that because we're trying to do so many different things, uh, to increase offense, uh, you know, moving the mound back. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I, 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 I'm I'm afraid it would lead to greater injuries, but there are some people who believe it would not because maybe pitchers aren't going to max out. There's the idea that the pitch clock would prevent pitchers from max maxing out on every single pitch and therefore not being able to throw a hundred every single pitch if you're forced to, you know, get after it quickly. Uh, so whatever they can do to to make things better because this is just it, it's you know it's it's a really it's not a not that baseball is bad, but this just isn't it, it. It the game isn't as much fun to watch when the ball is never put in play.
0: Yeah, it's um, you lose a lot of the athleticism, you lose a lot of you know what makes it special, and I think you know maybe the White Sox are are a little bit of an outlier this year because they have some extremely contact-oriented guys uh, who basically sacrifice all power uh, to make two-strike contact, and that kind of works. But I think you know when you have a Nick Madrigal or you have your mean Mercedes, you know, those guys have practiced that craft for years. In the case of magical, he's just built in a way where he had to define himself by his ability to put the bat, the ball. And when you have a bunch of guys trying to more or less sacrifice what they do well in order to cover up a short, uh, a shortcoming in their game that wasn't a pronounced flaw before, you know, that's always a part of baseball is just trying to mask flaws and, and, and take advantage of your strengths. But, I think we're not seeing this critical mass of players who are seeing their flaw or the you know, spots in the zone they can't hit or, or just you know, whatever they can't do being exacerbated in such a degree at the same time to where it's having this effect on the game where strikeouts are out, outnumbering hits and, and batting averages are down to where they are. It's just, yeah, it's, you're losing the action, you're losing the athleticism.
3: Jim Margulis of Sox Machine joins us on hit and run on the score. The Sox happen to have the seventh best strikeout rate in baseball right now. They're striking out as a team 23, just over 23% of the time. And again, there are a lot of strikeouts in the game. So to have it at that level is, is pretty good. Comparatively speaking, um, as you look at this offense and there are just some days where they you know, they can mash and we just saw it happen yesterday. They, swept a doubleheader, even without two really important pieces in the lineup in Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. As we get deeper into the season, are there any concerns on your part with whether or not they're going to continue to be able to score runs in the manner they have?
0: I think the concern is is mainly when they face good right-handed pitching. When Garrett Cole shut them down, and Garrett Cole is great, so if he shuts them down, it's not really an insult. But then you have some like more ordinary righties like John Gantz and Brad Keller and Matt Shoemaker. And they, they can all, they all kept the White Sox in check. And yeah, that's because they have like really good right-handed hitters and their left-handed hitters are either guys like Larry Garcia or switch hitters hitting from a weak side or Yasmani Grandal, whose left hand swing isn't coming along. You know, Makata's had a slowish start, but is getting better. But really it's, I think, Hinges on Grandal getting that left-handed swing back to where he's not, you know, going to compete for batting titles, but he should be hitting higher than 135. Like he's a 240 hitter theoretically. So even if he, you know, gets that average up to 220, he's more of a threat. And I think we're seeing him swing the bat more a little bit on pitches in the zone, uh, getting a better idea of, you know, where his the, the barrel of his bat is when the pitch is approaching it. I think sometimes with switch hitters, and especially with Garcia, I think this is especially pronounced that. Uh the swings are not even and they just don't exactly know where the barrel of the bat is at any given time. Like their swing planes are kind of out of whack and they aren't uh just making the kind of contact they rely on. So they just try to be more choosy about what they swing at and they just get behind the counts and it all gets messed up. But if Grandal can even it out, if Garcia can be a little bit more of a threat, there's at least something there. You know, at least, you know, more than three or four hitters in the lineup. Uh the one thing I'll say though is that when you look at the White Sox and you think like, "Oh, it's a top heavy lineup and they don't have much." You look at other teams around the division and around a lot of teams around the league and, you know, injuries and just underperformances and the strikeout thing you mentioned, there's just a lot of weird performances everywhere else. So you can focus too much on the White Sox problems and kind of lose track that a lot of other teams have problems or pronounced flaws that they're dealing with. And so that's one thing I'm keeping in mind this season is You know, usually, by and large, no team's flaws are unique. And the White Sox have some. They're weak against right-handed pitching in particular, but they have some other strengths that I think help make up for it.
3: Meanwhile, Jim, on the other side, uh, this is a team that their strength, one of their strengths was going to be the bullpen. And if you listen to Sox fans throughout the season, there's a lot of, um, well, there's a decent amount of angst when it comes to the bullpen, and it hasn't been as sharp as they wanted to but but then if you look at at some of the peripherals i mean they're they're leading or not leading but they're near the top in baseball in in strikeouts per 9 and fielding independent pitching uh, numbers are good and you know the wins above replacement numbers are good like a lot of the peripherals seem good are there are there relief concerns for you when it comes to the Sox bullpen
0: I think there are a little bit just because bullpens can be volatile. And so when they start out struggling and they continue struggling you know, towards the end of the second month, you, you wonder if they're going to get it back this season. And you know, two guys I'm looking at are Cody Hoyer and Aaron Bummer, and they kind of have opposite problems. Uh, Bummer seems like he's somebody who has enough sink on his fastball, just enough life on, on both of his primary pitches to where he just needs to throw strikes, you know, put it in the middle of the zone and then let it dance away from Middle, middle. You know that that would seem to be his game plan, but for whatever reason, uh either just the way his release cal- uh, point is calibrated, I don't think he's nibbling on purpose, but he's just trying to find the edges and trying to find the back foot on every slider and and missing down on every sinker and not letting the natural life of his pitches play up. And yeah, you know, it seems like almost like he's chasing strikeouts instead of ground balls, which you know makes sense in some situations, but you'd rather see him cause his own trouble because of guys hitting their way on than walking guys. And so that's one thing I'm hoping can alleviate itself because Bummer did have a stretch of eight strong outings before uh, kind of falling off track again. So, you know, perhaps he has it in him and he's just out of whack for whatever reason. Hoyer has got a different problem in which he's attacking hitters like middle, middle, like he's, uh, you know, he's using a sinker and trying to trust the sinker to get ground balls the way he did last year. But, it's kind of getting pummeled to the point where his slider and his changeup are better pitches and the sinker is the one that's dangerous for him. So, you know, given that he's a rookie and that he came out of nowhere last year to have success, you know, that's a case where, you know, maybe this is the league catching up to him. Maybe this is, you know, a greater league and not just the central divisions for doing damage to him. And so you have to be concerned that he's not going to be the high leverage threat that he was last year, but I, I do give him credit for at least attacking uh, hitters and making them do damage. Cause as we saw uh, yesterday against the Orioles, like he gave uh, a pretty well hit line and drive, but Billy Hamilton was able to catch it. And he was able to, you know, he inherited the bases loaded and limited to one run because he didn't walk anybody. He did plunk a guy, but then he came back at a strikeout and a ground out and, you know, minimized the damage and did what the White Sox needed. So he's got enough life on his stuff to where he should keep attacking, but, you know, it's two months in and they're hitting him pretty hard still. So, He's somebody I would hope that Evan Marshall steps up. He's looked a bit, a little bit better as of late. So if Marshall can step up, maybe take some of the uh, appearances that Hoyer had, and Hoyer can slip down into uh, less crucial situations. Maybe that's one way to let him straighten himself out without, um, you know, without giving up on him completely or, or completely writing him off because he's got a major league arm.
3: Andrew Vaughn had a nice week, Jim, and um, it's uh, the best the best week he's had since he's been with the team uh he played in six games six or seven games over the past week and just uh you know murdering the baseball it is what we should expect from him closer to this Um, uh, or you know closer to when he was having more issues earlier on
0: i think you know we talk about right-handed pitching and i think you know he's somebody who can be susceptible to good right-handed pitching and that was one of the when Tony LaRusso was playing him sparingly or picking spots for him in the first month, I think he was setting him up to, uh, one, be in positions to succeed, but also not face like you know, one righty after another to where they could pick out his flaws and start picking on him. Like it would take longer for his weaknesses to be exposed and for the league to figure him out. And that showed up, I think, in the Shane Beaver start at the end of the month. And, you know, Shane Beaver is like a Garrett Cole, like another pitcher, you don't feel embarrassed about getting. Uh, Beaten by, you know, uh, it's an easy 0 for 4, but Bieber basically worked him away, 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 um, you know, breaking balls first, then fastballs later. But everything he threw was outer half and away and off the plate and just teasing him into expanding his hitting zone out and away. And Vaughn just got into a rut against other pitchers who followed the same thing to where he was setting his sights outer half. And then they were just teasing him and throwing the fastball off the plate. He was following it out there. And I think something happened to where he's recalibrated it or maybe adjusted his swing to go opposite field, and not look to pull righties, but he's, I think managed to endure that or come out on the other side of that initial adjustment. Now we'll see if, you know, he's opened up another hole in the swing, but it's nice to see him find the answer for that and, and have more competitive at-bats against righties when it looked like, you know, he's having the kind of slump that might cause him to have to go down to the, the minor leagues. Unfortunately, and unfortunately the, uh, the White Sox don't have a whole lot of talent in AAA to take over his at bat, so it was in the White Sox' um, interest and, and Vaughn's interest to let him play his way through it. But fortunately, it was only about a week or so of really struggling before he started to figure it out.
3: Way too early trade deadline assessment. What do they need?
0: They could really use, I think, a corner outfield, because right now I think they're getting by with, you know, Adam Eaton has been, ever since his knee buckled on him three times against Detroit in late April. It was really weird. He just fell down in, in situations where he was not looking to dive or not looking to slide or not ducking out of the way. He just, his knee collapsed on him. And then since then he's had an OPS under 500, he's batting in the low 100. You know, we've complained about Billy Hamilton and Jake lamb getting starts in the outfield. But then when you look at what Eaton's done, just like, I, th- I think LaRusse is just looking for the best matchup on any given day. So when you have Eaton, Perhaps playing with some leg issues and struggling with them, and then you have both Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez coming back from pretty significant injuries, and not you can't bank on them having smooth returns, and and you don't know if uh, you know what their rehab stints are going to look like and how long they're going to need to rehab it. I would like to see the White Sox add like a credible starting outfielder between now and then, or at least a credible fourth outfielder, somebody you feel good even if just like a, I guess we'll see what Adam Engel provides and and whether Adam Engel can be an everyday option uh, in the interim. He should be pretty close, but for the time being, I think I would at least monitor the market, especially from the left side, because Engel was supposed to be a right-handed caddy for Adam Eaton, and if Eaton's not able to produce, they still need another left-handed bat to mitigate the issues against right-handed pitching. So I think a left-handed outfielder, one who could preferably start would be what I would look at, and if Eloy Jimenez come back and Luis Robert come back 100%, uh, that's a good problem.
3: Jim Margulis, appreciate your time this morning. Next time I'm wrong about something, uh, in particular your name and the pronunciation of it, would you let me know?
0: I will correct you with extreme prejudice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's all I want. Thanks for being with us, buddy.
0: Oh, thanks for asking.
3: <laughs> that is Jim Margulis of Socks Machine. You should read it. He's, look. Jim is is one of my favorite uh, baseball writers, terrific Sox writer, and has been doing this for a long, long time. So uh, check out Sox Machine, check out his writing. He's very detailed, and um, so if, if you like that kind of stuff, if you really like the great detail in your White Sox coverage, you will check out Jim. The phone number to text the show is 312-644-6767. It's also the number to call. Uh, We have been discussing the White Sox, obviously, and maybe what they might need at the deadline coming up. Jim says some outfield help would be ideal for them. Also, what do the Cubs do with their core of players that we have been paying so much attention to throughout the year and prior to the season starting? I say they keep them. I say you ride this out for the remainder of the year unless things change here in the next couple of weeks and they just totally tank. And I don't mean on purpose. I mean starting to play poorly. Because as we sit at the end of the month of May, the Cubs are only a half game out of first place. Despite their deficiencies and their flaws, do they have enough to keep this going? I think you ride it out. Maybe things change. I think you're right it out. You might tell me that I'm wrong and you can do that. As we move along here on Hit and Run till 12:45, I'm Chris Ranji on the score.
1: and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: Well, it might not depend just on the standings. Even if the Cubs are in it in July, but only in it in kind of a fringy way, They might decide to make some moves. They are not necessarily gonna say, okay, we're in the race. We're gonna keep all these guys. They have more than a dozen free agents. Now, Rizzo, we just were talking about him, is a really interesting case. The negotiations in spring training did not go well. Cubs offered him five years, 70 million. That's barely more than half of what the Cardinals gave Paul Goldschmidt. And that was a pre-COVID deal. But they're kind of similar, at least in terms of age. Goldschmidt, obviously the better hitter. But Joe, you said it, Anthony Rizzo is a mainstay of this organization. He's a guy that won the Roberto Clemente award in 2017 for his community service. He is everything to the Cubs, so it's difficult to imagine him going away. There's a thought that Baez also is likely to sign an extension. The big question is going to be Bryant and possibly Craig Kimball.
3: Ken Rosenthal on the Cubs Cardinals Fox broadcast from recently, talking about what the Cubs might do at the deadline and what it might depend on. Chris Ranji on Hit and Run on the score as we broadcast to you live from the score Hyundai studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Cubs pre at 1245 with Speegs. and then it is the finale of the series a uh, 121st pitch from Wrigley Field today. The Cubs taking on the Reds. They're trying to get that series sweep. Both teams actually in town are looking to sweep their opponents. Um the Baltimore Orioles by the way are not very good. So here are the White Sox looking to hopefully today extend their division lead. It is 3 games right now. The Cubs are only a half game back. Uh, they spent Both teams in town, as I I started the show with this, um, they spent both the White Sox and Cubs about six or so hours last night being first-place teams. Cardinals had a late game in Arizona, and they eventually won because the Diamondbacks are bad. They are not good. (laughs) And um, that has been shown recently. And so those two teams uh, with that final Cubs are now a half game out, but it's only a half game. And and this is, they're in very good position through two months of the season. And I can't stress this enough. It's only two months. I know that I get it, but I do believe for a lot of people, the thought was the Cubs would be in worse position by this point of the season. And therefore closer to looking ahead to what's next. And the biggest storyline of this Cubs season, aside from, you know, how they're actually playing in the division race and all of that, is what's going to happen with their big three. Three of the most important players they have ever had in Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and, and Javier Baez as well. All of them up for free agency as soon as this season is over, and you have to imagine that if you're the front office for the Cubs, you're looking at this and you're if you were thinking of making deals for one or two or, you know, heck, all three of these guys before the deadline, um, that maybe that would be a reality. Let's go back to spring training and the general manager of the team. Well, now the uh, well, what the, the 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 vice president of baseball operations Jed Hoyer who talked about you know this is this is spring training so you know everything is up in the air in spring training you you think you have a direction that you're going to go with the team you think you have an idea of what might happen but you don't always know right because the season still has to play out and Jed discussed the future well the near future of the 2021 Cubs. You know, these guys have been
4: fantastic Cubs that, that, you know, did something historic together. And so, I mean, I think the cup as a rightfully Cubs nation sort of owes that group, a, a, you know, um, a debt of gratitude. And they're always going to be legends for the Cubs. Like, you know, we've said all along very clearly, we'd like to keep, some of these players we that'd be great but it's unrealistic to keep all of the players that were a, a significant part of, of 2016 and, and that's just that's just the reality so um as i've said you know i think i'll, I'll definitely sit down with these guys during spring training and, and talk to them about their futures and talk to them about, you know we'll talk about contracts we'll also we'll talk in general i think that that's one of the things that I felt like we, you know was missed last year. That hopefully we can do a little bit more of is just, you know getting a chance to sit down and talk. So uh, we'll have discussions over the course of the spring. It's a perfect time for it. Um, but and nothing's changed on that on that front. You know, I'd love to have that continuity and, and have some of these guys going forward. But you know we've said like this financially, it, it, it's impossible for any team to be able to continue that and, and to continue that group. Um, indefinitely. And, 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 and as a result, you know, we won't be able to keep that entire group together.
3: There's an important word that he used there. And, and that was indefinitely. And that doesn't mean they won't play the entire season together. What it means is it's very unlikely that when you get to the off season, that prior to the 2022 spring training, um, the Cubs are all still going to be together. That's pretty much what he's saying. And I, I understand the baseball reality of that, to have three uh, premier players. And, and Baez is still, despite the the ups and downs and, and the inconsistency, he's still going to be considered a premier player. He's still going to, um, I, I think, command a a pretty good size of money, a, a pretty sizable uh, contract he's going to get. And so I think that you you have to keep that in mind as you move forward, despite those inconsistencies, teams are going to want him. But with Rizzo and with Bryant, who have been pretty consistent, and, you know, I know we, 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 we sort of criticized Bryant's play over the last year or so, but even in a down season for Chris Bryant, he's still better than most players. He really wasn't even bad ever. He's, I mean, he is a good, good, good player. That is, an MV, that is a guy who at any season could have an MVP season. He, he's just, he's that good. So, I understand that moving forward, the team probably is not going to be able to sign all of them and bring all of them back. It's just going to be an unfortunate situation in which you have three premier players all up for free agency at the same time. That doesn't really happen very often in baseball but it's not the question of what they do in the off season. It's a question of what they do now, what they do with the trade deadline, which is still a couple of months away. Do they go ahead and hang on to everybody? Ride this thing out with the nature of the division being what it is. Do they keep going and see if they can win it? Knowing the division is definitely winnable or do they see what they can get from or for any of these players that we're talking about. And I I, I just I, I think that you're, if you're a Cubs fan and you are in the camp, that they should get some sort of return for any of these players at the deadline, then that's what you have to do. In fact, uh, we did get a text message who said, um, stop it. This is from a 773. I hear stop it a lot from people. They just want me to stop doing whatever I'm doing. The Cubs would be a fool to let Bryant and Baez walk for free if you're not going to resign them. They are not going to win the World Series this year. Trade them. That's, again, from a 7-7-3. Um, I mean, they're probably not going to win a World Series. No, I don't think so. But it is still difficult to get to the playoffs. And I don't think... I. Well, I do think that texters like this are missing... The reality that teams are not going to be willing to give you uh, legit prospects in return. And that's what you're looking for, for players of this caliber, unless you're looking to dump money, but these are not money dump situations. The Cubs can afford to keep those three guys around for the remainder of the season. They're not in dire straits where they have to to deal away their contracts. That's and the contracts aren't even that bad. So that's not the, that's not what we're talking about here. But if you're looking to get a return of of legitimate talent, even as good as these players are, I just don't know that you're going to get future franchise building talent in return for players that are going to be available for the teams they get traded to for two to three months. It would be one thing if they were under contract for next year. Also, then you might get the return and all you have to do is go back and look through recent history of what teams have been willing to do. Um, and, and there just isn't much. I mean, in, in 2018, at the deadline, there was the Rays-Pirates deal with Glasnow and Meadows and uh, Chris Archer. You know, all of those players involved. But Archer was under contract for a while. It wasn't the, the end of his deal. Maybe the closest thing to it, and Sean Anderson, our producer, brought up the eloy dylan Cease, jose quintana deal from a while ago, but Quintana was under contract for a while. He was uh, under control for a while for the Cubs. That wasn't a rental. You got to think about it in terms of a rental. What are teams going to be willing to give up to do that? Maybe the best comparison here is the Aroldis Chapman deal who the Cubs knew they were trading for him to help them win a World Series in the middle of the season, and that's how long you know he was he was going to be around. But I even think the Chapman deal, as I, uh, I talk about it now, I'm I'm pretty sure he was under contract for another year, was he not? After the the Cubs dealt for him, no, it was just that one season. Okay, so it was the, it was that one season they got him in for. But that's a really unique situation. This is a team that was stacked. And on the verge of winning a World Series for the first time in well over a century. You know the story. And that's a team that was like, look, whatever we got to do to win it now, we're going to do it. And I I still think that they probably could have won the World Series without that deal. I think they were good enough to do it without that deal. But that was just another added thing. So if the Cubs could find a team that is thinking in terms of ending a century-long drought and they're willing to do anything to make that happen in 2021 yeah then you might be able to get a tremendous return for a player like Bryant or or Rizzo but otherwise you're you're not going to get that teams are just not willing to part with those players for rentals you're going to have to be around for a while and that's not where that's not where we are right now So I think if you're if you're looking at this deadline situation, which is still a while off, um, you're you're not going to get the return you're looking for for either of those players. And I am not willing, if it's me, to trade any of them. If I'm going to get mid level talent, what's the point of that? I don't like it. Appreciate the text message though, and you are willing. You're uh, allowed to text the show if you want to. If you're willing, we would love to have you do it. Uh, this is a very interesting situation they're in. Again, how often do you have three players of this caliber all becoming free agents at the same time? Doesn't happen a ton in baseball. So they're in a very unique situation. Um, But I I think you go for it here. And you might even be willing to see what you can add prior to the trade deadline. 312-644-6767 is the phone number here on the score. Uh, We've got the Cubs pregame at 1245. Spiegel's got that. Cubs trying to sweep the Reds. They're a half game out of first place. Uh, We will also be talking with Mark Gonzalez. He's an old friend. He's going to join us. He's been doing some work for the Daily Herald now. You've read Gonzo if you're a Sox fan or a Cubs fan over the last uh, 15 or so years. You have been reading mark gonzalez he's going to join us today and also russell dorsey covers the cubs and he will be with us at noon i'm chris Ranji. you are listening to hit and run on the score
4: let's go to darren
0: on 670 the score hello darren how are you i have somebody the white Sox really could use fernando tatis jr oh that's right we had him a generational talent for the next 10 years who has dealt for literally for garbage
3: Literally garbage. Uh, You know, I think it was within the last year or two, they changed the definition of literally to mean figuratively also. So I guess that guy was right, according to... Can we stop something? If you're listening and you're one of those dictionary people, and you're the arbiters of words, could you not give in to to dumb stuff just because people use words wrong? Can we not like change the meaning of the word because they're not using it correctly? It's one thing to invent a word, you know, like there's a, th- that it's, that's fine. If people invent words and we want to add those words to the dictionary, that's okay. But let's not change the meaning of words because people don't know how to use the words. Or change the spelling of words because people don't know how they're spelled. Like supposedly, which is a word now because people can't say supposedly. There's a D in it, not a B. So they're like, well, I guess it's just supposedly now. No, it's, that's not the... Ugh, stop it. Anyway, um, that's great. Literally garbage. And we've had a lot of people who have texted in uh, to the show who have been lamenting the fact that the team traded away you, Darvish. Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com, by the way. Um, And yeah, that's, that's a deal that you probably wish you had back now. And I think that you had every right as a Cubs fan to be upset about it. You know, talking about there being all these losses and you just can't, can't keep paying these players, essentially, is what they're saying. Um, you'd like to have you, Darvish, now. You would, and it would probably change things quite a bit. You might even be in first place by a game or two if you've got him in-house. But I still think, even being just a half game out, uh, unless things change dramatically for the worse, then you've you 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 keep going with this, if you're the Cubs. At least that's how I see it and how I think they should do it. From last week, or earlier in the week, I suppose John Heyman visited with Mully and Haw here on 670 The Score, and he addressed what we're talking about now with the Cubs and. Um, there are some issues with the, he addressed a lot of things about what they do as far as being sellers or buyers or, or whatever at the trade deadline. But there are some things with the team that you should probably be concerned about. And, you know, as you look at your teams, you're always wondering, is this going to hold everything they're doing now? Their, um, competitiveness within the division, is this going to maintain as the season goes on? And maybe there are some pitching concerns here.
5: Uh, You know, the the concern about the Cubs pitching is not a lot of hard throwers in that rotation. But, uh, hey, they're doing all right. Zach Davies looks good. DePera got out of it. Uh, Kimbrell looks like he is back. That is huge. You know, I looked at this as a... Probable average 500 team, but now they're two up, and now they're going to Pittsburgh. So you got to figure they're going to be more than two up pretty soon. Pittsburgh is dreadful, as we know. You know, uh, they're not in bad uh, shape. I I mean, I think the Cardinals are the favorite, uh, adding Arenado with Goldschmidt and all the rest. But, you know, I I think the Cubs uh, have a shot. People have talked about them as being a great seller at the deadline. At this point, uh, to me, I think that looks unlikely. They look like a contender to me.
4: Well,
1: I like the way you talk, John, because back-to-back national broadcast, the narrative has been how the Cubs
0: are going to navigate this with Chris Bryant having this kind of resurgent season. So, obviously, it's going to be tricky for, for Jed Hoyer and Tom Ricketts to consider the possibilities, but if you look at Chris Bryant, we've been talking about his value, whether it's in a trade or just a, a total size of the contract. Is the $300 million label too high for Chris Bryant, or is that realistic?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, he was offered about $200 million a few years ago. And then, of course, off of, off of last year, when they looked to trade him and didn't really get what they wanted, people were figuring uh, that might, he might be regretful. But uh, I do think at this point, he looks like he'll be over $200 million. You know, I don't know about $300 million. I think Seager will be looking uh, to top Lindor at $341 million. So he'll be in that category Story probably will be in there too, you know, Bryant's off year last year and uh after the year before might not get him to three hundred million, but he's certainly not going to be regretting that two hundred million anymore. You know, we're all talking about trading all these guys. That, you know, I think that, that talk has to go on hold at this point. Uh, you know, in that division, you know, I, to me, they're a contender. And, you know, probably in any almost any division, National League West is pretty good. American League East is pretty good. The other divisions have a lot of solid, good teams with flaws, and they are just one of them. So I think they're not going to be a seller at this point. I mean, obviously, we all know about the white flag, 97 with the White Sox traded. Sorry, Molly, two and a half games. Yes. <laughs> sorry to bring that up. I feel bad now. I really should see his face.
1: You should see his face, John. Come on. Thank
5: you. I actually do feel bad. Um, You know, to me, they're a contender and they're not a seller. So that's the good news. 300 million. I mean, you know, we'll see if he finishes out like he's playing now with the versatility. I guess it's possible.
3: That's kind of where I think the Cubs are going to be. Um, Maybe not necessarily buyers at the deadline, but I just I don't think they're going to sell. Again, with the caveat, things could change dramatically in the next several weeks, and we're not talking about a team that's only a half game out. You know, a lot of the stuff that he was talking about, and he did mention at the start of that, they don't have a ton of hard throwers on the team, which in baseball today is kind of a problem or a potential problem because everybody has it has velocity, a lot of it, and the the average velocities around the game are much higher than they were 10 years ago. But as far as velocity goes, the Cubs are collectively at the lower end of it in baseball. They are 26th in average fastball velocity of 30 teams. And you know what the average velocity is? It's 93, which is pretty high. If you think about it, you know, you don't have the upper eighties throwers that much anymore. Um, so they are 26th out of 30 teams in terms of velocity, and that could end up being a problem by the end of the year as the season plays out. So it's something to, to look out for, for sure. Uh, I'm just not sure it's the thing that is necessarily going to tank their season. But the people who have texted in and said, what about you, Darvish? You know, what, about, what about letting him go? Yeah, uh, it, it doesn't look great right now. And you certainly wish you still had him around. It would make things a whole lot different in this division. Uh, Text messages are welcome. And a texter asking what the Cardinals got for, or what they gave away for Paul Goldschmidt. This is from a 260. What area code is that? Uh, What did Goldschmidt, uh, or the Diamondbacks get for Goldschmidt from St. Louis, can't remember. So they actually did really well the Diamondbacks did in that deal. They got Carson Kelly, a catching prospect who was having a great year. He's he's looking really good at the plates. Uh, Luke Weaver, a pitcher was part of it. I I think there was a compensation pick that was involved as well. So they got a pretty good haul again, though, that wasn't middle of the season. That was prior to the season. That was in December, if I remember correctly, but it was before the final year of Goldschmidt's contract. And then they went and re-signed him. Now, That is also a possibility for any team that trades for Bryant, Rizzo, or Baez. They could then sign any of those players to a long-term contract. Here's the problem with that, though. If you're a potential team that wants one of them, that's a hell of a gamble to acquire a player in the middle of the season, have them for two to three months, and then hope that you can re-sign them for longer after. And I don't know how many teams are willing to risk that. That's a that's a very oof. I don't know if you want to do that. And so if you are going to do that, you're not going to give up your best players, which is if you're the Cubs, that's the only reason that you should deal any of them. I, I don't like this idea of well, don't let them walk for nothing. You know you can't let them just go for nothing. Uh, why? Because if if all you're going to get back are mid-level prospects. What's the point of that? You're better off just letting things play out for this season, see how they go, see if you can maybe win this division, which is still winnable. Even with the Arenado deal the Cardinals made to acquire a a great player, uh, you still are in striking distance, and you probably will be at the end of the year as well. So why not just go ahead and let this go? Why not? I Because I don't think you're going to get the kind of return that truly helps you build for the future for any of them. And it's not that they're not good players. It's that the contracts aren't long enough. If Bryant was around for all of 22 also, or Rizzo, uh, this is a completely different conversation. So I I do think that you don't really... If, you're, if I'm in charge, I'm not going down that path unless things just look awful for the next few weeks and they're 10 games out of first in the middle of June because they just completely fell apart. Which is possible, but I don't think that's going to happen, not in this division. Uh, a lot of people texting in that Vic Caratini would be nice right about now too. Yeah, certainly would. It'd be a help. I'm not sure it's, it's a game changer for them if he's still in house, but yeah, it, it's something I look, I, I know a lot of people on the station discussed how they felt about what the Cubs did in the off season and talking about the losses they incurred and that they had to make some of these personnel moves because of those losses. And it didn't sit well with a lot of people. Look, I, I think you're right for that. You're right to feel that way. Because this team in this division, in my opinion, was still competitive enough. Like, I, I look, I know that that's not, uh, that's not the kind of thing you want to hear. You don't want to hear competitive enough. You want to hear actual World Series contender. That's what you want to hear your team is every year. But this is what the environment is. And I would have totally accepted that. From a 314 area code, oh, that's St. Louis. Uh, the Cubs are not in the running for postseason play. Mid-level prospects should be acceptable. I don't know, I don't agree with that. I, I don't think for players like those guys, you're settling for mid-level prospects. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the Sox. We'll get into some Cubs too with Mark Gonzalez, who is writing for the Daily Herald long-time Chicago Tribune Sox and Cubs writer over the years. We'll discuss things with him next on The Score.
1: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
2: clock at four. Donchich. The step back
1: three. You bet. Music. You said my word.